to Because We Make, episode one, the very first. This is a podcast about making creativity and what drives us makers to do what we do. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. Now, you guys have known me for a while and you know I've been doing podcasts for years, so doing a podcast is nothing new, but doing a podcast about this particular topic is actually really, really new to me. And the person who's going to be speaking in a little bit is the person I blame wholeheartedly for me wanting to get off my butt and do this. Um, a few weeks ago, my friend Aunt Pruitt and I went on a podcast called Adventures in Creativity with my friend David Swiduck, who we're going to introduce shortly. And I enjoyed it so much that I decided, you know what? I need to completely rip off this guy's idea. So with permission, um, I decided I was going to do exactly that. So welcome aboard, Dave. Hey. <laughs> you, you are the first guest, and I figured it was appropriate since I literally stole your idea. With permission. Uh, with yeah, permission. with wholehearted blessing <laughs> permission, man. There's there's never a shortage of, of awesome creative talk out there, and I, I'm, I don't feel like you're ripping off anything. I'm excited for you to add to the conversation. Yeah, I think you and I, uh, we, we kind of were interested in the same stuff, but I do feel like we're going to do things a little... I'm going to do things a little differently from you because mm -hmm. I'm going to focus probably more on the making and the building and the doing cool stuff like that, where mm -hmm. you focus more on the creativity aspect. Yep. But let's be honest, you know, you can only focus things so tightly before you run yeah. out of ideas. So I made sure I left it nice and broad. <laughs> Amen to that. I did the same thing. You know, same I, thing. One of the problems, one of the problems I've had with podcasts that I've done over the years is. You know, after a while, you get burnt out on them. Right. You know, you can only, you know, I've done podcasts. Most of the stuff that we've done podcasts about over the years were like um, political and news of the day type stuff. And, you know, you can only do that for so long. You can only, you know, people don't realize how much goes into, you know, the constant absorbing of the information that you present back in the podcast. It's not just, oh, we get together for an hour and we talk. Right. Well, yeah, but I have to know what's going on. Yeah. So I have to do my research, you know? And Yeah, especially it, in that field of, of political and, and that kind of stuff, man, it, it's got to wear on you. It, it, it does. And it actually did. And, you know, and as much as I enjoyed doing the podcasts we used to do, I just, I hit a point where it was probably, I, I don't even remember the last time we did an episode, but I think it was about nine months ago. And I hit a point where I was just like, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, I literally felt like I was making myself sick. And, you know, it was, it's that level of burnout that I'm not used to feeling with something because, you know, you had that whole thing about knowing when to stop. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know when to stop with that. <laughs> and it was like I felt obligated to do it. Yeah. And it just that was just dragging me along. And you can only do that for so long before it's like, okay, this is just wasting my time now. I'm just filling yep. a chair. Spinning the wheels. Yep. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us, you know, tell the people, because I know you very well, but <laughs> tell the nice people, um, you know, a little bit about yourself, what you're into and yeah. what, you know, your other projects other than mm. adventures and creativity and how you got your start and all that stuff. Just give sure. us the, uh, the the short bio. Yeah, yeah. Too too many too many hobbies over the years, and they just keep piling up because I, I can't seem to let go of the ones and move on. But <laughs> I, I started out my, my creative streak, I guess you'd say. I started out when I was uh, about seven years old um, with drum lessons. I've been I've been a drummer since young, you know, second grade or so. And carried that through high school, got into writing when I was in about junior high, 
and had a fantastic English and literature teacher who was an author also on the side. And he really introduced me to a lot of amazing stuff in the world of writing and, and storytelling and just kind of early on planted those seeds. And then as time went on, um, come around 2006, I suppose it was, I, I blew a disc in my back, had a major back surgery. Oof. And um, the positive that came out of it is that um, I had to do a lot of walking for rehab. And prior to that, I had kind of messed around a little bit. I had a little 35-millimeter point-and-shoot camera, but nothing serious. And in all that walking and time spent just rehabbing, I started just carrying a camera with me everywhere I went and absolutely fell in love with photography. And from then on, I mean, in a matter of months, I had went from a simple little digital point-and-shoot up to a full-on, you know, full-frame Nikon system with a bunch of lenses and glass and all this stuff and never looked back since. And so... Photography is kind of probably my primary outlet these days, but, uh, you know, music is still definitely there, still playing a band uh, occasionally. Of course, it's tough because I'm up here in northern Minnesota. Myself and our bass player are up here about 40 minutes apart, and our singer and guitar player just moved to New York City, so it makes scheduling yeah. <laughs> a little tough. Oh, my he condolences. Works, uh, yeah, well, he <laughs> loves it. It's perfect for him. He's at that age, and, and he works with TED Talks, and so... Oh, he's doing a lot of pretty amazing stuff there. And so it's, it's a good opportunity for him. And he gets a, a lot of vacation time, a lot of travel time for them. So it all works out in the end. But um, I suppose it was about, what are we, we're coming up on, we just passed two years. So two and a half years, roughly. Um, my two best friends here that I've known for years, they approached me and said, hey, we're thinking about doing this tech podcast. You know, you're interested, you want in. And I, I was kind of thinking tech. Oh, no, not another tech yeah, podcast. And, well, and I thought, you know, I, I love tech. I love gadgets. But I was mm -hmm. like, I don't know if I could, you know, like you said, that burnout, that feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could stay interested in it for, you know, weekly episodes for a long time because I just don't, don't get into it in that way. So I was kind of thinking, well, the idea was initially I'd show up as just kind of a uh, – Every so often, I'd pop in, you know, when I could, I'd, I'd maybe drop some photography-related tech news, you know, camera gear, stuff like that. And then those guys would take the show and run. And we did our first episode, which was terrible. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> we had the brilliant idea. They were announcing the Nintendo Switch. And we thought, we're going to live podcast and comment oh, on the, the entire... Um, you know, the big YouTube live stream session, which we did, and it was terrible. And then we spent about 30 minutes after that just geeking out over Nintendo and, you know, having fun and having laughs. And at that point, that last 30 minutes, I was like, guys, we can do this. We're not going to do it just tech, though. Let's turn it into a geek-centered because we're all big geeks and we have a lot of different interests. Let's just enjoy this and, and talk like we would if we were all hanging out. And that's kind of what the show Digital Soup Podcast is all about, where we started that. That was actually my first podcast with them that we still do weekly um, all the time, too. So cool. that's, wow. I guess, kind of the as short of a bio as I can give you. That's that's I I'm amazed. I mean, I don't have you and Ant are probably as far as my friends go, the ones that are the most into photography, like yeah. on a real level, not just like, oh, I have my phone. I'm going to take a cool picture. <laughs> you guys are like on a level that, you know, as far as being I hate to use the term into it because it's so generic, but it's right. really true. Like you guys are you guys have a passion for it that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened, and I, I feel bad about this. I love photography. Mm -hmm. I have a reasonably good camera. I have a lot of glass for it. I I like taking pictures, but I, I, I got to be honest, 
I don't have the passion for it that I used to, and I don't know where it went. It just one day, it just was like, oh, it's just not there anymore. I'm kind of jealous of you guys because (laughs) I remember what it was like to go to work every day with my camera on my neck, taking pictures on the train and taking, doing all the street photography I could do in my, you know, commute to and from work. Right. It just vanished. I don't know where well, it went or it, why it, it happened. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it vanished because creativity has a way of doing that, right? Yeah. You, know, you you get into something, you try something out, you maybe you develop a, a love for it where it's just an itch that you're constantly trying to scratch, like kind of you know how, how I am and I, how I assume Ant is as well. You just have to do it. It's just part of you. Other times, it leads you down the path, and you know you're making coffee tables. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, and that's funny. It's funny you say that because I've noticed that my focus, you know, in the past couple of weeks hasn't been so much on big woodworking projects. Yeah. It's been more on my jewelry, yeah. which was always my thing. That was what I always wanted to do, and sure. now I'm finally doing it. Yep. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe the creative, the creative juices were there, but the outlet just needed to be something else. Yep, it just, just wasn't the right outlet. Just needed a little detour and and give the brain a rest on on whatever your passion is. I mean, that's kind of how I am where as much as I love photography, I'll go, you know, months at a time where it's all I can think about. I'm constantly taking pictures, doing stuff. And then I'll kind of veer away where I'm still shooting on a weekly basis, but maybe I'm all of a sudden just finding myself just this crazy urge to write. Um, not just hmm. blog posts and articles, but I'll write, you know, I don't really publish these, but I'll write little short stories or, you know, different things like that. Or mm-hmm. maybe all of a sudden I'm in a full on music mode where it's like, I need to sit down and just play. Oh yeah. You know, I, I need to create something. And it's just that, that, that creative drive is always there, but it's just where it feels like going. And, and what I find is that when you, you take those little detours, like say, you know, from, from photography into music. I'll drift back into photography with some fresh new perspectives, some fresh ideas that have been influenced by the music I've been listening to or playing or creating or whatever it is or what I've been writing. And so I think you need those little ins and outs, those little detours to help keep your creative mind fresh and and vibrant with new ideas. That's something, I mean, I could definitely relate to that because right next to my desk right now, I have um, a really nice Casio electric piano because I really couldn't afford a piano. But I have like an 88-key touch-sensitive electric piano sitting next to me. That's awesome. And that is something that like when I'm really just blocked, Mm -hmm. I can sit, and usually in the mornings after the wife goes to work when I have the house to myself, and I can just sit there and play that for like an hour. Right. And just, just playing songs that I like, and it just kind of... It gets a good way to get myself focused. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's interesting because I've noticed that a lot of the people that are there's like the soft arts and the hard arts I like to call them. So <laughs> yeah, like photography yeah. is like a soft art, right? Where you're not making all right, you're making photographs, but photographs aren't really like a thing. They're right. they're more n- like a nebulous type thing, Un- unless uh, you get deep into like printing, or, right? So, yeah. Right. But otherwise, yeah, it's not tangible. It's a soft art, right? And yeah. I noticed that the people there's a lot of overlap, particularly with music. Music. That's why when you said you were a drummer, I'm like, of course. Yep. You know, there's, you know, photography and music. My grandfather, who, you know, my wife and I always joke, was the ultimate Renaissance man. He played, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere around seven or eight instruments. Man. Spoke, spoke three languages, was the first person in our family to own a computer, um, was an absolute amazing artist, a draftsman by trade. I mean, a carpenter. 
you know, but most of his focus, aside from being a carpenter, were in the soft arts. Yeah. Where he was, you know, it was the, uh, almost the um, the artsy part of art. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, you look at a coffee table and it's beautiful and we call it art, but we also, in our minds, are like, that's not the art that I always grew up thinking was right. art. That's a beautiful thing. That's not right. art. <laughs> well, and I, I think that's that's interesting because... You know, for me, when I when I started the the Adventures in Creativity podcast, I had thought. I mean, obviously, a lot of experience with photography, and I know a lot of different photographers. You know that I could talk to, and I thought, you know, like you mentioned, I don't want to narrow myself down that much because mm-hmm. I'm into and and I'm so interested in all sorts of different creative pursuits, and I'm kind of one of these people that I really believe that everybody, I don't care who it is, everybody has some sort of creative streak in them, mm-hmm. even if it might not be, you know, quote unquote, typically deemed a creative outlet. That guy that restores those old cars and makes them just beautiful again, to me, yep. that's an art form. I can't do it. You know, it's it's not in me. That that side of things, I, I'm just not a car guy. I love looking at them. I love driving them, but I can't. You know, I can't build them. Yeah, you're not. You're not the. You're not the work on the car guy. Right. You're the drive and enjoy the car guy. Right. And I don't have that creative vision in that sense to see where things are going. But that's truly an art form. And a lot of people will look at something like that or the woodworking. You know, we we joke about the coffee table because of our <laughs> our conversation with with Anton and yourself that we had over on the Adventures Pod and. Um, you know, that's something a lot of people will look at and they'll say, well, that's not an art. That's, that's just, you know, uh, uh, craft or, you know, whatever you right. call it. It's, it's a, a, a trade. Even. trade. Some yeah, people even look word. at it as a trade. Yeah. yeah. But there is so much creativity that goes into it. I mean, it, it's unreal. And that's, that was one of my goals with the show is to be able to just selfishly talk to people that are doing all sorts of different creative stuff because I get inspired from that. And I think well, it's just so cool to hear their stories. You had that guy, Eric, um, the guy that did the yep. spoons. Eric Lawrence Jr. He's, Eric Lawrence uh, Jr. Yep. The guy, I mean, okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. That was the first episode of your podcast that I listened sure. to because I was going to be on your show that night. Yeah, yeah, So I was yeah. like, I should probably catch up a little bit just to see what the show's about because I don't want to go on a show and have no idea, you know, the flow, the content. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. And it's like, oh God, a guy that makes silverware. Yeah. Like who the hell wants to hear that? Yeah, right. But I gave it a try and I was like, this guy's freaking amazing. I started following him on Instagram. I follow him on Twitter. I'm like, I can't get enough of this guy. He's amazing. Yeah. And And you're right. We do tend to limit what we see as creativity Mm -hmm. because we just don't look at it the right way. We're right. looking at it as the thing, and it's really the process, the art that's involved in it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that way. I feel that way a lot lately because, like I said before, I've started to do more, started to explore jewelry more, which was always the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. And I've noticed that the more jewelry I post, the more people react to it on Instagram. You know, whereas if I make something really nice out of wood, it's like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But if I make a nice piece, like even the heart thing that I put in my store today, yeah, that was an instant hit. Like right. people are like that's beautiful. I love that. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'm more of that then. <laughs> exactly. And what what can you know? It, it starts to build on each other. Like all right, that was cool. Let me take that element from here and add this and customize yeah. that. And it, it's such an amazing thing. That's why when we did that episode back with, with you and Ant, I, I knew Ant a little bit online. Didn't mm-hmm. know him real well. Just kind of mutual friends on Twitter with other friends and chatted with him a few times. And he just seemed like such a solid dude. And he's so 
Like I said this on our episode, but he's such a, in a good way, a cheerleader of everybody. Main. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care what you're doing as long as you're giving it effort. And it's yep. a beautiful thing in this hate-filled world of the internet these days. And, oh. and he's like, you you were chiming in and we had a good conversation. I was like, guys, let's make this happen. I don't really know either of you. You guys <laughs> know each other very well, but I am just fascinated. I want to hear more. You know, Tell yeah, me and- what you do. He's a, he is he's an interesting dude, and I'm, I love <laughs> Ant. I really do. He's an interesting guy, right? Because I have I don't know a lot of people that are as driven as he is, right? Like he's always, and you know, he jokes about me because, like, oh, even over the weekend, he posted on Instagram in his story. He's like, "What are y'all doing this weekend?" And yeah. I wrote, "What else? I'm making Mother's Day gifts." And he goes, "Of course, <laughs> yeah, you know." But and he always jokes about how I'm always doing something, uh-huh. but m- my man is always like like right now as we're recording this he's Mm -hmm. on youtube live yeah editing and editing 360 video and showing people how he does it exactly right now as we record this the man who tells me i'm always doing something yeah yeah is doing something right (laughs) you know so i I, (laughs) the cool thing with you guys though and and i don't want to necessarily turn this into just a big love fest for you guys because you know who who wants to hear that but (laughs) i do you you deserve to hear it (laughs) absolutely because the two of you you know you said i inspired you to do this show and i appreciate that but the two of you guys are are so inspiring to me because there is never a moment where even you know it, it's almost you, you can kind of feel a little competitive but in the best way like mm-hmm. like you said you know ant is telling you man you're always doing something uh-huh. but you're looking at it like man this guy's he's out hustling me <laughs> i've got to step up my game but it's in the best way possible because there's never any of that feeling like well i'm better yeah well of, we you know, see the I don't have to beat anyone. No. That's what I love about this. Like, there is, first of all, I mean, all right, it helps that we're not in the same space, right? Sure. But the reality is that when you see someone pushing, 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 and it makes you want to push, if you have anything in your gut that says, I need to do more, seeing someone else doing more is going to get you doing it. Yep. You know, and I've had, you know, I've been through a shit ton of stuff in the past six to eight months. Right. And I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, just seeing, you know, just seeing me back at work has gotten them off their ass. Like, holy crap, how are you back at work already? You know, or how are you going through chemo and going to work every day? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, man, because that's, that's the way the world works. You don't get to stop. You, you push and push until you can't push. And then you take a break and you go back to pushing. Yep. You know, and that's just, that's, you, you have to have that mindset. And I think that creative people naturally have that mindset. Right. You know, because you, you want to create, I want to make something. You know, your hands are itchy because you want to get down to your shop and make something, even if it's something small, just that shop time. Right. (laughs) And it was something we talked about on your podcast where people who don't, aren't naturally creative. Mm Mm-hmm or don't know they are, yeah. don't have that drive, not because they don't have it, but because they don't know what they're driven to do. Right. They, well, you're, you nailed it before when you said that everyone's creative. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something creative in right. them. You know, my wife and I have this conversation all the time. I'm always trying to get her to try stuff, and she's, right. she's just not a maker, right? It's yeah. not her thing. But, but, but you put that woman in the kitchen, yeah, and she kills. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's your creative outlet. 
Amen. You're an amazing yep. cook. Exactly. I've I've got a a chef on my. I hate to call it a hit list. That sounds, sounds bad. <laughs> but uh, on my hit list of of names, I want to talk to because it, he's he's out of out of Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, mm. and um, he's got. I I've seen him. I mean, he works at a local. He's got a local show on a television station down there. He does a, a news thing in the morning and. But I saw him because he's got a show on the Create Network, you know, PBS Create of all things. Wow. Uh, his name is Chef Kevin Bolton, I think. Belton. Oh, now I'm going to mess it up and really sound stupid. Belton. Yeah. B-E-L-T-O-M. Yeah. The dude is just, I watch his show, and half the time I don't even notice what he's cooking because his positive energy and what he brings, you know his food is going to be amazing because he's putting so much positive, just feel good energy into making it he's just a joy to watch and he loves what he does and he's one of those people speaking of chefs and in the kitchen i would love to hear his take on on creativity and how that impacts him because it's one of those things i think people from a young age you know we've all heard you know they say as as children everyone that creativity is wide open and then it's kind of slowly but surely um, you know, forced out. You know, we're oh, told they beat it out of you, yeah, man. I mean, we're told, no, you can't do that. You can't do this. And there's rules and rules and rules. And now you get to be an adult, and you're still interested in creativity, and and you're struggling. And the one bit of advice you'll find everywhere is, hey, find a way to create and invent and play with your creativity, like you did in a child's mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's so yeah. hard to get back to. It really is. And one, I feel like once it gets beaten out of you it's really hard to go i, I really do want to do that though right now you you kind of it's it i was very lucky my my dad my dad was a great carpenter but mm-hmm. his but that was it yeah. like that was his creative outlet he was a carpenter mm-hmm. um you know my grandfather i've already talked about my grandfather and thanks to my grandfather i was opened up to things that my father never could have taught me you know my grandfather taught me how to play the piano yeah my grandfather Put, instilled in me some weird ability where I can play music by ear. Yeah. I can't read music to save my life, yep. but I can play by ear and I can play pretty much anything. And I'm really happy about having that ability. I'm I'm jealous because I, I grew up as a drummer. I can play I play by ear drumming all the time. However, I do read sheet music because I spent a lot of years playing in some pretty technical jazz bands and oh, orchestra yeah, so stuff like that. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, I mean, I can read drum music and everything else. Now, I can figure out, like, say, guitar music or piano music, but I'm back in kindergarten at that point going, okay, this is every good boy loves, okay, F. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's one note. Uh-huh. I can't read sheet music, and I've taught myself to play a little bit of guitar, just enough to be able to plink around and have fun, mm-hmm. but it's so frustrating because I want to be able to do more and I know I should be able to, and it's just a matter of practice. But the only reason I did that is because of what you just said earlier. You'll sit down at the piano, and you'll just play for a bit. Yeah. It unlocks and you. It's, it's hard it does. to That's do exactly that. what it is. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's it, drumming it does that you. for me. Like, I can sit down and play. I mean, I used to, when I was playing really, really heavy before I got into photography, I would literally get home from school, from work, whatever it was, I would play for three solid hours every single day. Because it just, I loved it that much. I'd put in CDs and albums. I'd have, you know, certain exercises I'd run through to work on certain things. And then I'd get into the fun stuff and just play along with my favorite music by ear. But 
it was really hard to learn some new material, new songs, and then you know play it for your friends and be like, "Hey guys, listen to this new song I, I just learned." <laughs> and then you start banging away on the drums, and they're like, "What is it?" You know, they can't tell. So yeah, I, I wanted I that. I recognize that. <laughs> yeah, I wanted that you know, melodic um, expression part. So that's why I grabbed a guitar, and you know, I, I, I should put in more time, but I'm so jealous of people like yourself who can just pick up an instrument. And by ear, just figure it out. Yeah, I can I'm, do it to a degree, but not where I'd like to be able to. I, I did it. I had to do it. I didn't have a choice. I wasn't given a choice in junior high school. Yeah. Um, I had to be in the band. Right. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to be in the band. I don't play band instruments. I play the <laughs> piano. Right, right. And music teacher said, what do you know how to play right now? Right. And at that point, it was like, okay, I can play the piano. He mm-hmm. goes, okay, well, we don't have a piano in the band, so what else do you know how to play? Um, I know how to play the recorder. He goes, you know how to play the recorder? Good. Yeah. He gave me an alto sax, oh. same fingering. And he goes, here, you're going to play this. Yeah. And I was like, I've never played it before. He goes, you're going to play it. We're going to go a couple of, you go a couple of weeks in the band and you, you play this yeah, and yeah. you see how you do. And I ended up in junior high school. I'm quite proud of this. I won the music award in junior high school. Nice. For, my, for being the best sax player in the school. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is freaking cool. I can right. play another instrument. And, you know, the, the unlocking thing, right? Once you'd go, oh, I just learned another instrument and in right. two years became the best player in the school, maybe I can learn more. Yeah, what else and can I do? That's that when c- your skills start progressing. Yeah, the curiosity, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a thing I, I was going to ask you about here as you're talking about it because I think that happens no matter what your creative pursuit is. It's once you see that, hey... I, I just did that. Mm-hmm. I, I can do this. Now, what else can I do? The, the, you know? the next question in my life lately has mm-hmm. always been, what else? Yep. I, I, everything, I've, everything I've pursued, everything I've learned, everything I've gotten better at mm-hmm. has been followed by what else or what's next. Right. And I've, you know, I, t- I did... I started doing woodworking like two years ago. Yeah. And I love woodworking. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to only do woodworking. Sure. And metal is probably not my thing. I did a blacksmithing course, and it wasn't as much fun as it looks like on Forged in Fire. So I kind of <laughs> just decided that wasn't really for me. But getting the late, it's weird. I got this laser cutter because my mentor, a man named Jason Stapleton, who I will, till the day I die, call him my mentor. I've learned everything I need to know about the person I am in the last couple of years. I've learned from him. Um, and one of the things he said was, you know, if you're, you're in the process of starting a business and you have made the calculation that a major piece of equipment is going to change your business and make your business run better and you don't buy it, you're failing your business. He said, if you're worried about the price of something, then you're failing your business. You have to just make more sales. That's the end of the story. You have to make enough sales. Fair point. And if you can't do all of that, if you can't throw four or five grand at a piece of equipment that's going to grow your business, then don't be in that business because you you don't have what it takes to be in that business. He's 100% right. (laughs) So I just pulled the trigger on the laser and that laser has been the most used thing in my shop since the day I got oh, I it. Bet. And now it's like I I'm looking at stuff and I just bought some new supplies today and I have all these jewelry designs and I'm like, yeah, I got to really just start 
really pushing this. And now I'm already right. looking at the next equipment purchase for my shop, which is another five or six grand. <laughs> and I know it's like, wow, you just drew 10 grand on two pieces of equipment. Right. But I have the mindset now that that's what's next for me. Right. What's next for me is being able to do this kind of stuff on a level that can allow me to churn these products out a little more mm -hmm. rather than I know the handmade touch is nice, right? The whole business is called Handmade by Vincent Ferrari, <laughs> right? But let's right. be honest. If I'm going to make any money doing this, yep. there has to be a certain amount of automation, and automation comes from machines. Right. You know, nobody looks at a woodworker and says, well, you can't use a table saw. That's a machine. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, and everyone uses it. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. I have a planer that when I have wood that's not completely flat, I put it through the planer, it comes out flat. Right. Well, am I not a woodworker because I didn't sit there with an old block plane running it for 25 minutes just <laughs> flat in one board? No. Right. You know, and I think that, you know, people fear what other people think a little bit too much in creative endeavors. You yeah. know, like this isn't real woodworking. This isn't real, you know, it isn't real crafting. It isn't, it isn't real photography if you're shooting on P or yeah. Green Square. Right. You know, it's like how many times have you as a photographer probably grabbed your camera and like, I don't have time. I got to get this shot. Green Square, perfect shot. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my camera, unless I have a reason specifically to take it out of there, it mm -hmm. lives on aperture priority mode. So does mine. <laughs> and I, I, you know, it's not that I don't know how to shoot in manual. I shoot in manual quite often. I shoot manual when I'm shooting film. I mean, fully manual. And it's just a matter of, you know what? I understand what it's doing. I know what I need it to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to fiddle around with it. I want to be able to grab my shot, set where the depth of field <laughs> needs to be to get the look I'm going for. And then I can move on. I feel like the tinker the tinkerer mentality is killing some creative pursuits. Well, it's uh -oh. you know we we I think it's easy, always easier, to to get wrapped up in the technical mm -hmm. than to actually get down to getting creative. Right. You know, I I had a photographer friend of mine. He sadly took his life a few years back. But he took me under his wing when I was early on. And this guy was amazing portrait photographer. And he knew one of those guys that just gets lighting. I mean, he could set up five lights and just be like, all right, this one needs to be at an eighth power, half power here, quarter power. We're going to kick that over here, Feather. <laughs> he just would know and he wouldn't even test it. Guys. You know, and I, I learned so much from him just watching. And he'd dial it in and he'd slow it down. You know, when I was there, I'd help assist him at times. And um, I helped him actually as an assistant while he put on workshops because he was a master photographer with the PPA. And so he, he taught a lot of big workshops you know, on a statewide level and sat in on their national councils and everything. And he'd let me come along, even though most of the time he was way over my head, but he'd have me assist him. And I learned so much. But he said to me one time, well, many times, but at one point he said, you know, you have this, this creative look at things, you know, and he said, he cautioned me saying, don't ever get so wrapped up in settings and technicalities and rules and all of that, that gear, technical stuff. Mm. Any monkey can learn that stuff. It's, it's being able to see, it's being able to speak that creative vision don't lose that. He said, don't let that fade away into obscurity because you're going to focus on being the best person at lighting you can be. Who cares? Yes, it's a great skill to have. Once you learn it, it's there. But don't focus on it to the point where that becomes your subject is your lighting proficiency. 
you know, and, and that's something that has really stuck with me because I think the, the older I get and the more I do this and, you know, the longer I'm in the game, I see so many people who have really, you know, strong reputations in, in photography, for example, and, and everyone raves about it. And the first comments you see are always, oh, that's a, you know, technically well-composed image. Um, excellent use of lighting here. And it's like, I <laughs> Well, kinda... you nailed the aperture. <laughs> yeah. It, I it's... would never have thought to do 2.8 there. That's right. beautiful. I mean, oh, your, your choice in contrast here was amazing. It's like, you know what? If someone's saying that about my work, sure, yeah, it's, it's fine. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm hoping that my images hit people on a little different level than that. You know, yeah. they find something more. I'm, I'm more worried about, you know, the creative side, what I'm trying to say. Do I always get there? Nah, none of us do. You know, but I keep trying, and it's a blast. I, I have fun trying. I don't want you looking at my miter joints. I want you to look at my table. <laughs> exactly. You, you, it's, it's you know, and, and that is, and, and uh, you know, as someone who was really into photography, that was one of the turnoffs of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I ran in the wrong circle or with the wrong people, where you would get into a group of people and it's like, I actually got into a fight. It's the perfect example of what we're talking about, right? <laughs> I got into a fight. My first camera uh -huh. was in 2000, I want to say it was 2005, might have been 2006. I got a Digital sure. Rebel X. Okay. It was the first really good consumer level digital SLR the Canon made. Right, right. Amazing camera. It it opened up the world for me getting that camera. Yep. And I remember I wanted I did not want the goddamn black one. I did <laughs> you not wanted want the silver. The I wanted the silver one. And why did I want the silver one? Because everyone had the goddamn black one. Right. And I remember um I was at a friend's, I was doing a friend's wedding, you know, as a guest, but I Whenever I went to a wedding in those years, I took my camera too. And in fact, my sister's wedding photos, mm -hmm. she has more of my photos than her photographer's <laughs> photos of her wedding. Um, but I remember talk, showing off some of the pictures from the wedding. And one guy said, I can't believe you got those pictures with a silver camera. And it almost was like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? With a silver camera. I and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, the, you know... There's a mindset in photography that black is professional. Ugh. And I'm like, you've got... I said, are you shitting me? No, it's I, there. I couldn't believe it. And he, he said, no, it's 100% true. He goes, and you watch how many people... He goes, you'll get into arguments with people. And I did. Yep. Saying, oh, yeah, you, you know, you may like this as a hobby, but you could never do it for money because you don't have a black camera. Right. People will hire you unless you have a black camera. Yep. And I'm like, I don't want to work for someone who's going to look at the color of my camera and decide if that's the grounds upon which they're hiring me. You're right. You, you know, if you want me to take a couple of pictures, like portrait or whatever, I'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. If you think my camera is a hindrance because of the color of it, right. then you know what? You aren't looking for a photographer. You're looking for something else. A and status I'm not symbol. your guy. Yep. It's well, so weird. It's fascinating because that that's an old, old concept. Although when you if you think back, look back at... Um, both Canon and Nikon, you know, not to get too gear gear nerded out here, but early on in the film days, you had like mm -hmm. your Canon AE1, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Nikon F whatever series, FE, FA, F, all mm -hmm. of those. And sure. all those old, real old vintage classic ones, not uh -huh. all, but most of them most of were them. this beautiful chrome, like silver. Uh -huh. Beautiful. I own a Nikon FA that I still shoot with today. 
They're My beautiful. Dad's Minolta 101 was brushed aluminum. Right. And then yeah. they, that that whole concept of you need the black camera. Uh-huh. It came in back then because they started making those cameras in black editions. And then we saw things move more to the modern SLR look and everything was black. Mm-hmm. And you move forward into the digital days, you're, you know, like Nikon D300s, the Rebel XT series, the 5D, all of that's all black. Mm-hmm. And I made the switch years and years ago when Fuji first came out with their XT, their X series. Yeah, um, those ain't black. <laughs> no, well, mine is. I've, I've, when I first got the, the XT1, mm-hmm. that only came in black at that time. About oh, really? a year later, they released this beautiful graphite edition that's kind mm-hmm. of a grayish black. And people were looking at it like, oh, you can get the black one. That's the one you need. That's the one. I, I ended up, I bought an X, X100T, little fixed fixed focal length, you know, not interchangeable lenses. I love that little camera. And I was, I loved the chrome look. And everyone told me, get the black one. That's the one that real photographers will get. I was like, are you kidding? There's Part no of the reason I want no. this is the camera itself is beautiful. Yeah, if you and look it at makes the, me I'm looking shoot. at it right now. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. The yeah, the silver one is so nice. Yeah, it makes me want to shoot because it just looks cool and it feels good in my hand and it performs. The guts are the same. I don't care what color it is on the outside, like your right. silver XT versus the the black <laughs> XT. It doesn't matter. It's just what you like and if you, it's if it's one more reason that you want to grab that camera and use it, I, I'll never understand that. Yeah, and, and to this day, I mean, my cameras now happen to be black. Not That's because it's most of the time that's all that's available. Right, and I, <laughs> that's all it was, purely a money thing for me because I didn't want to spend an extra $300 at the time to get the graphite edition. Right. It's like uh, the color's not that important as long as it works, but, I mean, it, it, it's mind-blowing. It's so hard because, like, especially in a hobby where the gear is so so focused, right? So focused, interesting. I see what you did there. (laughs) um, But in photography, like, really, photography is the worst. The I don't want to say it's the worst hobby, but as far as gear, it is literally the worst hobby. It is. You can you get into gear competitions where you sit there in these internet forums oh. and I've been guilty of it too and everyone's guilty of it and anyone who, there's two kinds of people there's people that are guilty of it and people that are lying right? Yeah, right but we've all sat in these forums and we've just oh well you know this lens is definitely superior to yep. this one because look at look at the aperture I mean you can't shoot anything good on a 5.6 kit lens yeah, what are you right? talking about are you mad right and you know it's so easy two things it's easy to get sucked into it no matter how experienced you are but it's Mm -hmm. even easier as someone who's new to go i just don't have the ability to do this i can't because i can't hang with these guys and their stupid gear obsessions and it turns people off exactly you feel like you can't keep up money wise or whatever and it's it's stupid and you know the the weird thing is I've, I got a lot of that myself when I switched from my full-frame Nikon setups. You know, heaven forbid I switched to a mirrorless system that's nice <laughs> oh, and God small. Forbid. Oh, man, and people just didn't believe. They're like, what? That's a toy. That's not a serious camera. You can't book real shoots from that. And I've shot countless weddings with my <laughs> Fuji gear. I shoot real estate. I shoot all kinds of stuff. And... It's performing just fine, thank you. <laughs> you yeah, know? and and that's that's the worst part. Like it's it's also like uh, so I wrote about this a little while ago, but I had this experience. I bought an entry level CNC, right? Um, that requires being put together. Oh yeah, and, I remember your article on that. that was yeah, cool. and I was like, and I I hit a point about a couple of weeks ago where I was like, you know, 
I, I'm just never going to put this thing together. I mm-hmm. just don't, I don't have the wherewithal. When I'm down in the shop, I don't want to spend my time in the shop doing something like putting together a machine. Right. So I tried to get someone, I was going to pay, I'd pay, I was willing to pay quite a bit of money to have someone just come in, just put it together for me. That's all I want. Right. No, I had to get a lecture on I won't know how to use the machine <laughs> if I don't put the damn thing together. Now, right. belying that fact is the fact that on that forum, everyone's asking questions and they've all put their machine together. Right. So wouldn't it make more sense for me to spend that time learning how to use the machine? Yeah. Then, and, but I was so turned off by the, by the crowd, the hipster CNC crowd. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to... I'm going to get a professional grade machine yep. that comes assembled. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sp- I'm going to bite the bullet and do it. And you know what? I'm glad I did because I've been following that forum and it's not 50 million questions about how do they tram their gantry right. and stuff like that, which it's important to know. I'm not dismissing the importance of knowing this stuff, but this idea that you have to totally nerd out to even participate in something yeah. is so weird to me. I just don't understand. It's the same. I have multiple 3D printers and I do client work. Mm-hmm. 3D printing. And I wanted to buy this one particular printer. And my thought was, I'm not buying a kit. I'm buying it pre-assembled so that when it comes, I can put it on the table, turn it on, put filament in it, and start printing. Right. And I was told that there's no way in hell I would know how that machine worked unless I built it. What is wrong with people? Yeah. First, you got to build your hammer. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't want to on. geek out about the gear. I really don't. I want I want my products to be the important thing. I want what I make yep. to be the important thing. I don't want the machine. I don't give a... Machines are machines. Right. I don't care about the machines. I really don't. It, it, and It all goes it, right back to that first comment that we started this conversation about it's way easier to get wrapped up in the technical jargon and in technical side of it than it is to actually get down to making exactly and and i what i've noticed is that the people who obsess on gear mm-hmm. and what they used to call in the old days of computers they used to call it feeds and speeds right right, right? the people that obsess about that stuff don't do anything with the stuff that no. they own they just don't exactly. it's the same guy who you know he buys a four thousand dollar bike you know lycra <laughs> right. pants the perfect helmet yeah and and perfect clip shoes yep gets on the bike and he rides 25 feet the first day he has the bike and yep. then it goes in his garage yeah that's those guys that's exactly what they are yep. and you know aunt aunt and i seem to be very similar in that i hate those people yeah I don't just not like them. I absolutely despise <laughs> those people with a hatred left for most villains throughout history. Right. I cannot tolerate that. Yeah. That, to me, making your hobby unapproachable to people while mm-hmm. you don't even participate in it, yeah. to me, is the biggest jerk move that you can possibly make. Yeah, and it, that's why, you know, talking early on, why... I, I kind of gravitated towards you and Ant so much and had to talk to you and, and partly what I try and do with my show and you know, anything, you know, when I write on my website, whatever it is, I want there to be more voices out there that are letting people know whatever level, you know, quote unquote level you're at with your, with your creative output or, or, you know, pursuits, know that that stuff is not all there is to it. Don't let that put you off because there's a whole world of people out here that is harder to find because mm-hmm. that that very vocal technical idiot you know is so yeah. loud on the internet you feel like that's all there is 
but and, just keep looking and stick with it because there's there's people like yourself, people like Ant that are out there and that are going to show you, you know, what it means to just be elbows deep in making something. Yeah. And let you and, know, hey, we're not perfect. You know, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to show you those too. You know, mm-hmm. God forbid you show, you show someone a mistake, right? right? Oh, you can't make mistakes. No. Then you don't have authority anymore. Right. What's wrong with you? It's it's so absurd, and that's why I love the fact you're doing this show because I feel like knowing you, you know, through through Twitter and when we chatted and stuff, I feel like you're going to be one more voice out there, just kind of helping let everyone know that look, we're all in this together. There's more to this whole creativity thing, this maker thing, than just you know, technical stuff, you know, yep. it's, it's not about that. My, my focus on my blog, my focus on my blog, um, originally it was just going to be project logs mm-hmm. and talking about what I make, but it, it kind of shifted. And in my head, I realized that I needed to fill a niche and look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm the most popular blogger on the internet. Right. I don't know that anyone actually reads half the stuff I write. Okay. Well, you know, but in my mind, do. I think, if, I think I get a couple, right? <laughs> right. But I, I really, what I really want people to do is I want them I want them to understand that there is a better way to do this there's a mm-hmm. better way to approach your creativity there's I mean I just had that whole thing about you know you don't have to make your your hobby into a side hustle it's okay right. to do a pa- it's okay to have a passion project yep. that kind of stuff because I feel like almost everything I feel about creativity and making is counterintuitive to what the common consensus on it is right and I feel like somebody needs to be the the my voice. Right. I need to say these things because no one else is. Well, I'm everything... not the most original thinker, but my perspective is very different from a lot of the people it, in this. You're right. And, and everything these days is all about, you know, followers. It's all about stats and numbers, mm-hmm. and it's all about monetization. And you know, we 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 see it online. There are so few people that you see anymore that seem to just make stuff just because they want to make it, Mm -hmm. you know, and and if they do, they just don't share it because they feel like they can't, because if they're going to share something, then they've got to worry, you know, because that's what everyone says you have to do is worry about your audience, how many people are reading it. And that's something I struggle with a lot. You you have to struggle with it though. It's, it's normal to struggle with it. It's not normal to obsess over it. No. And, that's the problem that everyone seems to be just obsessed with. Yep. Oh, I can't get 40 million people to view my YouTube channel. I'm just not going to bother. Right. I mean, I get it. If you wanted to make that your career and you're making a choice that it's not going to be your career. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe I get it. But if you just want to make some cool videos or, yeah. you know, I mean, go, go to Instagram, put your videos there. Yeah. You will get an audience. And, and this is a pro tip for anyone listening. If you're looking to share your stuff, mm-hmm. Instagram is where you share it. Because there is a community around everything on Instagram. And once you get that right mix of people, that's where you need to share your stuff. I really do feel like Instagram is the greatest thing for making. (laughs) It it really is. Well, you you and I are in slightly different different camps with that, though. mm -hmm. Because for the things you do, the the maker movement, I guess Mm -hmm. is what it's called, you're absolutely right, I think. Because it's it's a relatively, I don't want to say a small community, but it's it's a very driven like they know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. It's active and it's vibrant. Right. And for me, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, what I make being primarily photography, that's 
like a million times oversaturated. So right. Instagram for me is just kind of a, I throw stuff up there when I feel like it, try this <laughs> out. It's an experimenting thing because I've kind of got to the point where I've pulled everything for the most part back to my website and I'll share stuff out from there. And I, I still post to Instagram occasionally and in, you know, whatnot, but you just had that whole thing where you were reorganizing your approach to Instagram yeah. when you were doing things in like collections and stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to try. I know no one ever goes to an individual profile anymore. I mean, it's no. so rare. No. But just, just for my own personal experiment and for fun, I thought, you know what? I'm going to just start putting these images out in series. So I, I do eight image series. Well, it's technically nine image blocks, you know, mm -hmm. with a center image being kind of some sort of title panel or text panel. And then the eight images surrounding it, just all part of a series, a theme of what of some sort. And I thought, you know, what's the difference? I'm I'm not worried about followers. And kind of going back to what you said about you'll find an audience. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that that I struggle with is remembering that you know what, even if I don't find an audience, that's okay, because right. I'm making it. And I'm I'm an audience, and you're always going to have at least one or two people, or a small handful of people that are oh, really yeah. going to dig what you do, and that's all you. That's that's okay. Okay, so I look at it this way, right? If you went out to the park right now, stood mm -hmm. on a soapbox, and ten people stood around you and listened to oh, every yeah. word you said, you'd be pretty happy oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. So there's there's your Instagram, right? You, exactly. You know you know there are people that are watching what you're doing. You know there are people that are engaged with mm -hmm. you. You know, even if it's a small group, like I've always felt, I I I got spoiled when I was blogging. Mm -hmm. I had a very, and I don't mean minorly, I mean a very popular blog. Right. Um, we're talking hundreds of thousands of page views mm -hmm. a month. Nice. I'm I'm not exaggerating. Anyone yep. that anyone that knows me long enough knows that that blog was one of the top political blogs in the world. Right. Okay. I wasn't screwing around when I had that blog going. <laughs> when it was really humming. Yeah. I mean, my whole and if you ever want, and if you're new to me or you don't know who I am, just one day just Google Vincent Ferrari AOL. I promise you, it'll be the most interesting rabbit hole you ever go down in your life. <laughs> um, but that shows you the reach that my blog had that I basically ended up on news media for about two months right. talking about AOL. Right. Okay. So I have I have some some bona fides when I talk about what it means to find an audience. Yeah. I'll never have that audience again. I'm not re I am realistic about where my life is right now. Mm -hmm. I'm realistic about the amount of effort that I put into online content now. Right. But I'm also realistic about what that online content is. For me right now, my online content, even though my Instagram does occasionally have a cat picture or a funny selfie, <laughs> my Instagram feed uh -huh. is there to promote my work. Right. It is. It, it and anyone who you know anyone who does what I do and says otherwise and puts their work up is literally yep. lying to you. Right. It's there to promote my work. It may not be my only focus, but it's my primary focus. Right. And I've noticed that over the time that I've been really putting the effort into Instagram, I'm getting clients from Instagram. Right. And so for me, Instagram is absolutely worth it. Right. Well, but, that's the other difference. I don't. I don't pursue the side hustles so so to speak right. you know what i mean so when i'm doing my photography i am still in that camp of yeah I, I i shoot sessions i do some work here and there when i feel like it or or when a client comes along potentially mm -hmm. and i'm always open to to doing that but i'm not looking to necessarily build a business out of it right and so to me i i, I struggle with social media in general especially instagram though going you know i know it's a great marketing tool if i want to drive people to my business but 
I don't have a business to drive them to. Right. So what am I doing? (laughs) It's, it's always that weird thing. And so it's, it becomes to me more of a, well, let me put out some things, you know, projects I'm working on. Let me try and Mm -hmm. let people just get to know me who I am, you know, because it's a very personal thing I'm doing. And so why not let them know me as a person, you know, and that's outstanding. You're an outstanding art photographer. Um, Thank you. And unfortunately, someone as talented as you does get lost on Instagram. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I realized that, you know, when you said it clicked when you said it, like, yeah, that it is really hard to be an art photographer on Instagram. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because that's all it is, right? Yeah. A bazillion I, pictures a day. <laughs> unless unless you really niche down and yeah. who you follow and where you go. And yeah, you're right. You know, I, n- I never looked at it that way. Mm-hmm. This is why I love having a, just a regular conversation because that's a revelation to me that I I right. never thought of art photography and it's true because my the more artistic photos I've taken they do well but that's not what people come to my feed for right they're not coming there for that they're coming there for oh what are you working on oh that's exactly. cool I let's like that let's see behind the scenes you know yeah let's see and what Vinny will take us in the shop today <laughs> let's see what kind of coffee table he's making <laughs> well we know he probably made three this weekend so. <laughs> oh man so what knowing knowing that your photography is you know, your passion project, not a, really a side hustle, although mm-hmm. it, you know, it could be a side sure. hustle at times, but it's not, you're not pushing it as a side hustle. It's just, if it makes you a few bucks, it makes you a few right, bucks. Right, exactly. So what does satisfaction look like for you then? You know, it, it's tough. And, and I, I've gotten to a point, that's why I started pulling everything more and more as much as I can back to my website, driving everything through the actual website, because then I'm in control of it. I can do what I want with it. And... I think for me, satisfaction is being able to make whatever I'm making. Maybe I'm writing something. Maybe I'm, you know, it's the podcast or, you know, one of the two podcasts or it's the photography. And it's being able to put this thing together and then look back on it even, a, you know, a few days later, a month later, and just, just say, yeah, this is this project is coming along nicely. Sure, it feels excellent to get, a, you know, that kind of pat on the back from people that are like, hey, I saw this. I really dig what you're doing. People reach out. And to me, satisfaction is more just being able to build kind of those one-on-one relationships with people where you're, you're building, I don't want to say a community because I'm not looking to be an empire, but a family, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's just like-minded people who dig what you do and, and helping discover other people that are doing awesome things and just be able to do it and get it out there. For what reason? I, I struggle with that. I, I don't know what my end game is, so to speak, other than I just know I need to, to make it and I want to put stuff out and I just get this urge, this itch where I'm like, I just have to share this. Now it's out there. I can hmm. move on to the next thing. I always joke with my wife and like particularly this weekend as I was making stuff for Mother's Day, mm-hmm. after I did the last thing, she goes, you must be so upset. And I said, why is that? She goes, because you can't put any of that on Instagram till Monday. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you have no idea how upsetting that is. You know, that's right. what I love to do. I love because I. it's true. I never feel like a project's finished until I've shared it on yep, Instagram. Until you release it to the world. And I, I feel so. that same way with my photo work. You know, if they're sitting on my hard drive... Mm. so what that's half the half the part of it you know i've I've done yeah. that part of it and even you know i've gotten to this point where 
I oftentimes I'll, I'll go, I have so many images and, and things that I'm just sitting on and trying to find the right way to present them on the website even. And even a lot of that is not feeling complete to me because in my mind I'm thinking, you know, this would be kind of a cool zine or a, a cool, you know, small book project or, mm. you know, box of prints that would all go together. I'm not really interested in like big gallery exhibitions because where I live, you're just not going to see that. But small books or, or things like that, that's a possibility, you know, and, and that's mm-hmm. where it's like, that's tangible then. That's a bit of me going into something someone else can hold in their hands. And if someone else enjoys that, that makes me feel good. And, and that's that's enough, you know, most of the time. It's it's funny I, the, how motivating it is. Like, I always had this, the people who were my core group of readers on that blog, mm-hmm. Are still my core my core followers now. They've transitioned along with me. Okay, you know, from doing all this crazy political stuff to you know, oh look, he's making cool stuff. Wow, I didn't know he could do that. My right. best friend, my best friend. I told the day I told her, I remember the day, I remember the conversation. I told her, I said, uh, yeah, I signed up for a woodworking course. And she said, what? <laughs> well, what are you? What? what? Why? I said, and I, I don't know why I'm, I kind of know I want to do this. I'm just going to do it. Right. And she's like, you're out of your freaking mind. And I love that surprise of people, right. you know, like, hey, look what I did today. And I made, I made earrings. Right. And, you know, okay, earrings aren't a big deal, but look at them. I made those. Yeah. You know, I made her a gift and it was like, what? Are you crazy? You made these? I love, and you know, this is toward what you were saying, uh-huh. where you put something out into the world and somebody really goes crazy for it. I, I'm at a point now where I almost don't even care if it's only one person that really digs it. Yeah. If that one person looked at something I made and said, that is incredible, I love that. That's a connection. I don't even need them to buy it from me. Right. I just, that to me, oh, it's the best. Yeah. It, it motivates you, pushes you forward. And in like I said, it's that it's that one-on-one connection. Yeah, knowing that your art, your your creative pursuit, was able to speak to somebody on that level, mm-hmm. you know that that's such a big thing, and that's you know mentioning earlier the the struggle with social media, you know Instagram, everything else. It's so easy to get sucked into the trap of worrying about those follower numbers, worrying about the likes, worrying about all of that stuff, and. It's almost one of those things, you know, you should almost have it posted somewhere, you know, where you can see it regularly. Just remember, you know, one-on-one connections, because that's really all that matters. The most, if you listen to a lot of, um, like, creativity podcasts, you know, a lot of them are are centered around, you know, creating a thriving creative career. Mm -hmm. And without fail, they'll all get to this point at one point or another and it's the most simple point, and they could end their podcast right there, to be <laughs> honest. One episode, in and out, and done. And it's it's the idea of all you need to do. You don't need a million customers. You need 10. You know, right. you, you need that small handful of people that you can reliably connect with on those one-to-one levels. And as you connect with them, they start telling other people, if you're looking at making a business... And you grow a very passionate customer base. Now, if you're not in a business situation like I am, it's kind of the same thing, but I connect with one person. I connect with two people, three people, whatever it is, and they tell someone who they really think is going to get it and enjoy what I'm doing, and you build that small family that way. And next thing you know, I mean, 
I don't have huge numbers on my website, but I average around eleven thousand or so, ten eleven thousand a month. And that's great. You know, so it's it's doing all right Nothing for wrong being. With that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm happy. I'm thrilled with that. And more and more, what I'm finding is that there's maybe ten or fifteen. 20 people that will consistently interact with me, reach out in some form, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm cool with that, you know. You look at the percentage, it's kind of depressing. Well, that's only a tiny percentage of who's coming every but month. But those 10 people are your most loyal people. Right. And so They're the ones that want to know what you're up to. What are you making? Yeah. I want to, they have that level of, you know, I was t I'm working, I'm taking a course on influence and mm -hmm. persuasion. And one of the things, the main ingredients of influence and persuasion is fascination. Right. It's beyond the level of, I need to know what you're doing. It's like, I'm obsessed with what you're doing. Right. You are the most interesting person in the world what are you doing so that <laughs> right. i know what's going on in your life and maybe that sounds a little stalkerish yeah but that's what you want to cultivate right even if you cultivate it with a really small crowd you know i had one of my friends the other day a couple of weeks ago um i wrote something on my blog and she shared it and she called me her mentor oh wow and i i i didn't know how to handle that. Like, I, I have a guy who I consider my mentor. Yep. I've told him as much that I consider him my mentor. Um, but she considers me hers. Yeah. And I'm like, all I'm doing is just doing what I do. Right. And you're learning that much from me? Well, then shit, I better keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Because you, you're getting something out of this. And even, even if you're the only person getting something out of this, right. I almost have an obligation to you yeah. to make sure that I'm on top of my stuff so that you keep getting what you're getting out of it right now. Right. And... You know, in art, you know, you don't have, you may not have customers, but you have consumers and someone that's consuming your content and it's hitting them and it's reaching them. God, I mean, people pay for that. They try yeah. desperately to, to, you know, what's the formula? There yeah. is no formula. No. <laughs> that's the, that's the secret, right? Right. There is no formula to this. Exactly. You're you're gonna get that one person. They're gonna click. They're gonna latch. You're gonna latch with them, mm -hmm. and it's gonna you're gonna have that symbiotic relationship yep. where everything you produce they want to consume. And you know what? There, there's gonna be times, even with those people, where you're gonna you're gonna take a detour on something, and try something different. Mm -hmm. They they'll come along on the adventure with you, which is mm -hmm. that's all you can ask of them. That's it. And and they're gonna tell you too, like, hey, what are you doing, man? Or or you know, in, in photography, you know, world for me. I've had moments where I've, I've shared some images. This has been a while now, but they were a very different turn. And I, I, I'm a fan of like horror movies and real moody stuff. I just don't do a lot of it in my photography, but every now and then I like to do it. And I did this series, um, it was a Halloween and these images are terrible. So I'm not going to tell you where <laughs> to find them. Cause I was still pretty new into it, but this little local photography group, we had this challenge to photograph song lyrics while well, it happened to be right around Halloween. And I used a song by the uh, the Decemberists. I don't know if you know them. I know the name, but I don't yeah. think I could tell you any of their songs. Sure. Well, they've got a song. It's called The Shankill Butchers. Okay. And real ominous sounding song, you know, and everything else. And so I, I had this idea for a photo shoot. So I, I, I called up a buddy of mine. He had real long hair, um, black, you know, and I put him in a hoodie and, and kind of made him just, you know, grungy killer looking. I and love the story we, already. We had, I, I had this massive, the biggest butcher knife I could find in my house, and we got a bunch of, like, uh, Hershey's chocolate syrup, and we just doused that. He had rubber gloves on, doused his hands. The <laughs> knife was dripping, and all that we were lighting it with was the light coming from inside my house. 
and the streetlight outside. And oh I did some photos. It was nighttime um, out in my front yard and stuff. And, and I was like, oh, because they fit perfectly with the lyrics to that song because it's all about these butchers, you know, these people, serial killers, this group that would come and murder people in their homes, you know, slice them up. And, um, but it's kind of this old English story, like Jack the Ripper feeling. So it's, it's kind of a cool thing, but did these photos and I shared them out and all my friends and people in the photography group I was in were the first to see them. And they're like, Whoa, buddy, what, what's this? <laughs> and I'm like, it's cool. Right. And I was all excited. And they're like, Whoa, no, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Are you all right? No, are, no. Yeah, are you okay, man? And I started, I shared them out on an old website I had and my family some, and I was so proud of them, even though now I look at them and I cringe photographically, you know, skill wise, I'd love to recreate it. But at the time, I was like, wow, this is cool. It was a concept I wanted to do, and I felt pretty good about it. And everyone, you know, was like, man, are, are you okay? You know, is there something you're not telling us here? And I'm like, no, it's for this to call thing. somebody? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just one of those dark things, you know. And it, But those people, that those core people that follow you, that you know you've got that connection with, they'll look at that and, and they may love it. They may, they may be asking you genuinely if you're okay. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and that's that's a connection, a level of connection that is so amazing. You know that that you just you you can't pay for that, right? No, you there is no there is no you can't go to a store and buy a personal connection. Mm -mm. You just can't even and even if you know it's funny because you know you always hear the particularly on YouTube because I tend to follow a lot of people on YouTube. I follow I have about 160 subscriptions on sure. YouTube, and, uh, um, and you know I tend to some of them I'm really engaged with. Like I care what these people are doing. Yeah, yeah. And you know they'll talk about you know how it's hard being them and. You know, it's hard to, you don't have those personal connections when you get to a certain size. And it's like, yeah, I can kind of relate to that. Like, I've always, I've always had this, you know, maybe not so much in recent years, but in the past, I always had this thing like, I wanted to be big on the internet. <laughs> right. You know, but then you get to a point where it's like, I really don't give a damn if I'm big on the internet. Right. I'd rather have my small core group of people that are really engaged and interested and like what I do. And maybe they pick something up or mm -hmm. learn something. I think that's actually, I think it's a sign of maturity when you finally admit, all right, maybe I don't need to be big. Maybe I just need to be right. good. <laughs> right. I, I want to be medium smallish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I I'll take growth. Yeah, I'm not going to look growth in the face and say I don't want you. Yep. No, I want the growth. Yeah, but I'm not going to whore myself to do it anymore. Exactly, that's yeah. the difference. I think. Yeah, and that's that is when when you cross that line where you say not that you don't give a shit, but that the shit you give is a lot smaller than it used to be. <laughs> I really do feel like that's when you start to feel like an adult. Right. When you start to feel like okay, I'm doing this for the right reasons right. now. I'm doing this because I love it, not because I think it's going to make me famous or rich. Yeah. Nothing I do on the internet is ever going to make me famous or rich anymore. I yeah. had my moment. It was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Yeah. And it's over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't say I've ever had fame, but the one thing doing my Adventures in Creativity podcast and the one thing just Twitter and the internet in general has, has taught me is that as a photographer, I know I, I look up, you see guys like Joe McNally. You know, these these huge names, these well-known photographers. And uh, uh, so many other photographers I, I used to look at and be like, oh, my God, their work is amazing. They're so good. <laughs> They're like celebrities. And then I started reaching out to them. One of my very best photographer friends is a guy named Brian Manier. 
Um, he was someone I looked at. I mean, he's a Fujifilm ambassador, you know, ex-photographer. I mean, he's doing the thing. He's traveling. He just spent like three weeks in Egypt and in the Middle East shooting stuff, you know, for work and personal. I mean, his work is amazing. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, man, this guy's not even going to respond to a tweet. Now he's texting me images from Egypt going, hey, man, look at this. This is sweet. What do you think of this? You know, and we're bouncing ideas <laughs> off each other. And, wow. you know, the podcast has allowed me to, it gives me a reason to reach out to people that I thought there'd never be a reason in a million years they'd want to talk to me. And then they become friends because you sit down and chat for an hour and it's like, that's pretty amazing. And if that's all the quote unquote internet famous I get, I'm cool with that, you know. Good enough. <laughs> yeah, getting to, you know, like I say, it, it's selfish of me in, in one respect, but just getting to chat with people, doing things that I admire so much, and then really get past, like, the, oh, man, I'm a big fan, and just get into, like, hey, what makes you tick? Oh, God, it's that that's all I could ever ask for. It was last, uh, two years ago at Maker Fair, two years at Maker Fair, um, I, they were giving, uh, there were a bunch of people giving a talk there. And one of the people giving the talk there was Bob Claggett. And Bob Claggett runs a website and a YouTube channel called I Like to Make Stuff. Bob, to me, meeting Bob was like some people would meet their favorite rock star, mm -hmm. their favorite celebrity. Mm -hmm. And me meeting Bob, Bob was the guy that got me making. Okay. Like he is, I actually have a picture on my wall. I'm looking up at it right now <laughs> of me and Bob and three other makers that I follow on YouTube. Sure. And all of which I, all of whom I absolutely love. Right. But meeting Bob and having him talk to me and be engaged with me and be excited to talk to me. And I, I almost cried when I shook his hand because I was like, my God, this is, it's Bob. You know, and, <laughs> right. and if I, if I ask the average person that I know who, you know, do you know who Bob Claggett is? I'm like, who the fuck is Bob Claggett? Right. I have no idea who that is. You know, why would, why would I know who that is? Right. And, but for me, he's like a rock star. Well, I thought that that interaction was just like, he was polite and that was the end of it. Yeah, right. right. Okay. So a couple, this past September when New York Maker Fair happens, I didn't go this year. Okay. Um, and I, I said to Bob at one point, I just, I randomly out of nowhere, I just tweeted, I said, have fun at New York Maker Fair. Mm-hmm. A couple of days later, Bob tweeted. He goes, hey, I missed you at Maker Fair. You weren't there? Oh, man. He knew who I was. <laughs> Mind blown. Holy shit. Bob knows who I am. <laughs> like, this, is, this isn't just anyone. This is Bob. Right. Bob likes to make stuff. The guy that got me doing all this, the guy that motivated me to get off my couch and do something more, right. the guy who took this IT guy and turned him into a guy who does stuff with his hands, yeah. he did something my father couldn't do. Uh-huh. And, wow, he remembered me. And, you know, to me... That level of personal connection, even though it's only him saying, hey, I realized I didn't see you at an event where I saw 20,000 <laughs> other people. Just the idea that he recognized the fact that he didn't see me. Right. Who the hell am I? Right. But he knew he didn't see me. And that stuck with me. And from, I feel like from that moment on, that's actually when I really started writing posts on the blog. It's right. like, I need to make these connections, these types of connections with people. Well, because I know how much it made, I know how it made me feel. I want to make other people feel that way. Right. And that's what I was say. That's the lesson you kind of learned. Like this guy who you had up there on this, this proverbial pedestal. Yeah. He had that same connection with you that you had yeah. with him. And that's the thing that I think people don't realize is that, 
you know, it's not a one-way street. You know, getting no. people to follow you, what does that mean? You know, that's not yeah. interaction. That's just them, you know, basically it, lapping at your feet, saying everything. It's you do something is for you to scroll. It's something for them to scroll past. Right. Yeah. And, and it's when when you when you get those connections, it's a two-way street, and you know, you as the creator get just as much out of that as mm-hmm. them as you know someone who loves what you do. It, it's that's a fantastic illustration right there. I don't I don't know if I could give a better example of what you just said in that story. Yeah, he's he you know you you're right. You do put people. He's even said he goes you know he, he him and other people like Jimmy Deresta who's considered the godfather of making. Yeah. Um, you know that people do put. He said people put us up on pedestals and they don't realize we're just regular guys. Right. Who, you know we we. We don't we don't see ourselves mm-hmm. the way everyone sees us. Right. You know. You know. Look at a guy with two million YouTube subscribers, and to the people who watch him, he's a god. Yeah. And to him, he's just Bob. Right. right. <laughs> he's still got to take out the trash and, and do the right. dishes after dinner. You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like when I when I met him, and he shook my hand, and I, that was that was it right there. I was like, dude, you have, I told him, I said, you have no idea how much you've inspired me. You got me off the couch. You got me making stuff. I have a shop. I have tools, all this (laughs) stuff that I never had. I have because of you. Right. And what did he do? He talked to me for a few minutes and then he gave me some of his merch. Like, wow. He, that, that merch came from him. Like a lot of people have those patches, Yeah. but I have one that he handed me. Yeah. Right. And he was nice to my wife and it was Mm -hmm. just, and everyone I met that day, I met a couple of different makers that day who I really just think the world of. Uh-huh. And if anything, after that event, I think even more of them because it's like, wow, you guys could just, you could have just said, hi, nice to meet you. Got to go. Right. None of them did that. Mm-hmm. I got to talk to every one of them for a few minutes. I took a, and look, their time is worth a lot of money, oh, especially yeah. in an event like that where everyone wants a minute with them. Right. But none of them rushed me. None of them kind of none of them gave me the cold shoulder and in fact i asked at one point I was like can i take a picture with all of you mm-hmm. and they're like yeah of course let's do it <laughs> and they had a little there was like milling about and they couldn't get everybody together so i was like you know what i'm being a dick trying to get their attention to get a picture like this uh-huh. let me not let me just and as i walked away bob goes dude do you still want your picture come on i'll get everybody together. come on come on let's get your picture oh man I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so, so that picture, that picture, my best friend got it framed, and it's literally sitting up on my wall right That's now. That's awesome. I always call it my. In fact, last year when we didn't go to Maker Fair, my wife goes, "Look, you can't, you don't have to go to Maker Fair this year. You're not going to top last year's." <laughs> so you, go, you you already hit the pinnacle last well, year, dude. Just don't try to roll the dice again. Now you now you know though that it's not about trying to top it. It's about touching base with people who noticed it. You know. Yeah. It's, it's strengthening yeah. those connections and enjoying those connections. Uh, yeah, and I think, like I said, that's a, I think that's another sign of you know maturing as mm-hmm. as a person where you don't seek the the glory, you seek the connection. Yep. You you want to make the connection with people because yeah, we can connect with things and we can connect with things in common. Right. But we really that that's not what that's not why we do this. Right. It's an it's a nice side effect to have someone that I can shoot the shit about tools with. Of course, sure. that's nice, but that's not what I want out of my life. It's not what I want out of anything. Right. You know, business business notwithstanding. Oh, I mean, exactly. I, yep. You know, business notwithstanding, the connection. You know, I want people to look at me and say, 
this is this is my this is his art and I like his art mm-hmm. which means I like what he has to offer and I imagine it's the same for you as a photographer probably more so because your thing is an actual art like no one argues photography as an art photography is an art we know it and everybody <laughs> kind of accepts that right yeah so you know I imagine for you it's very similar that you know that connection is what makes the art worth doing right yeah so. it, absolutely I mean it's it's all about, I mean, you asked earlier, what is that satisfaction for me? And I, I think, you know, that's probably got to be it when it boils down to it. You know, the, the most roundabout way, and we, we kind of came to it around there, but it, it's it's absolutely building those connections and just enjoying that and, and getting past the fact of, you know, putting people up on the pedestal and realizing that by and large, most of these people that, that you look up to in your creative pursuit your your realm you know whatever it is they're just regular people mm-hmm. you know and, and there'll be some that are going to be arrogant and oh of know, course you're going to get those but the more ones, often than not yeah. they won't be though <laughs> you know and, and the ones that, you know more often than not like you said that they're going to be genuinely appreciative of the fact that you you dig their work and it's it's a good lesson to remind us too when we get people reaching out to us even if you feel like why are they talking to me i'm a nobody (laughs) that's a connection you you gotta shift that mindset but it's so satisfying i had when i when one of the one of the podcasts i did about i don't know about 15 years ago Mm -hmm. now yeah, by the way, 15 years ago, I was doing podcasts. Was well, it 15? <laughs> no, it's probably more like 12, but okay, okay. let's say 12 years ago. Sure. Um, one of the podcasts I had was an interview podcast, and that's all it was. Yeah. Week after week, I would get famous people in the tech space to talk to me. Right. And they actually would talk to me. Right. And I was like, I don't even understand why you're talking to me. Like, why would you even care? <laughs> At one point, my co-host and I had the CEO of Pandora, Tim Westergren, yeah. the founder and CEO. We had him on our podcast multiple nice. times. And at one point, you know, him and I, I would consider him probably not quite a friend, but definitely an acquaintance. Sure, yeah. And like, he's the CEO of Pandora. Why in God's name would he talk to such a small <laughs> little podcast? But you know what he did? Yep. We had him on for an hour talking about Pandora. That was when they were talking about redoing the licensing fees right. for ASCAP and BMI, and it was a big thing that was going to kill streaming. Yep, yep. And we had him on, and we had the CEO of Magnatunes on. Sure. It's like, these people are talking to us. Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> what kind of know, parallel dimension did I step into here? Exactly. Like, who cares what I have to say? But apparently, you know, when they're willing to give their time to people who are interested in what they have to say. Yeah. So, you know, maybe as creators, we, you know, we put a lot out into the world. Yeah. But we also have to kind of put out our, we have to take in from the world too. Right. And let, let the other creators that are doing the stuff that we're doing know that, Hey, I, I, I dig your work, man. Right. You know, I don't need, it can't be like, we talked about a one way street earlier, but it, yep. it's just as important to reach out to the creators that oh, inspire yeah. us and tell them, Hey, you guys, you did something that blows my mind. You know, yep. you, you, you got me doing something. Yep. You made me think about something a little differently. And I think that's something we don't do enough. Yep. And if anything, you know, I like to do a takeaway in every post. Yeah, maybe that's the takeaway for this whole episode. Yeah, I, you know, I reach it. out to reach out to the people that inspire you and tell them. Yep, tell them, Let tell them, them they know. inspire you. A simple note of just, hey man, I really dig that thing. That means the world to people, and like, that's a yeah. great takeaway. Yep. 
Yeah, just tell the people. If someone's inspired you, it doesn't cost you anything no. to tell them how much their work means to you. Yep. And I promise you, I promise you, they're not only going to listen to you, they're not only going to appreciate it, but they're going to remember that you said it. Absolutely. They're going to remember you said it, and you're going to leave an impression on that person because every time someone does it with me, they leave an impression on me. Yep. So 100%. I think that's probably a good spot to wrap i mean yeah. we've actually we've i mean i know we didn't hit the requisite seven hours but, <laughs> uh, and if you want to know what that means you can listen to episode um, adventures in creativity episode 27 right and you can hear us talk about what i mean by the seven hours <laughs> was I it, think it was 27 no no it wasn't 27 i just released 27 today uh oh, geez. hold on look at me screwing it hold up hold on no you're all right i got it right in front of me here episode 23 23 okay I was, oh the in, michael jordan episode yeah cool. yeah jordan. yeah that's <laughs> um yeah so listen to that episode because that was that was one of the best conversations i enjoyed that so much in fact when i when i left the room yep. afterwards and i walked my wife was in her office so i went in her office for a little bit and she goes i said that was so much fun i need to do that and she goes you sounded like you were having the best time ever that's in awesome. that conversation and everyone that i've pointed to your podcast has said that it sounded like the three of us were just a bunch of buddies just hanging <laughs> out i was like perfect goal accomplished <laughs> yes. yeah that's i'm i'm so glad to hear that because it was a blast talking to you guys as well and i really do appreciate you having me on your your first one i was kind of little you know a little pressure and gotta gotta it, come out of the gate swinging if you're gonna build you, me up like that but but you know what the good news is you have no acts to follow <laughs> this is true. so whatever you do it's the best i, I set that it's, bar and now the rest of you <laughs> have to follow it <laughs> well, it, it was i i i was thinking like as i was plotting out this podcast like I didn't even have a name uh -huh. but I knew I was going to ask you to be the first guest <laughs> because it was only appropriate that after how much you motivated me to do get get off my ass oh. and do this again that it was like it had to be you oh, it just had it. to be so you want to you want to plug and tell people where they can find you and yeah. where they can find all your other projects yeah and stuff? I mean the easiest thing to do um <laughs> yeah it, it, I know what you're going to say and it ain't easy yeah, but go ahead the reason I say he's saying that because my last name is a nightmare but that the, <laughs> <laughs> the easiest place to find everything, all the links to the, the two different shows I do, the Adventures in Creativity and Digital Soup podcast. Um, I have everything linked up, all my photography work, writing, my social media, all of that stuff is linked up right at my website, which is just davidswiduck.com. That's D-A-V-I-D. That's not the hard part. <laughs> Get out your pencils. So D-A-V-I-D-S-Z-W-E. E D U I K dot com, and you'll find Which everything. I still there. misspell. I, st I misspell it every freaking time. Um, I always get the I in the wrong half of your name. Oh, I always, yeah. It's always by the E, and it's not by the E. It's by the U. Yeah, it's it's uh, after. I yeah. I would say the I before E, except after U. <laughs> maybe we'll just change. Except the after Z. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll just change the rule and just add a random U in there. But <sighs> it, it's a it's a handful. It's a, it's a good Polish last name that my grandfather passed down to me and so I, I, I thought about trying to think of a clever name you know for a website and I had some blogs in the past like you know studios this or whatever clever and I was like you know what I'm done with that just it's me 
You'll find. I mean, it. I'm just going to point out that if you just look at my domain, it's literally the same thing. <laughs> True. I didn't. I gave up on having. I was yeah. like, no, it's me. This is my site. Right, it's man. my name. End of it. That's it. That's um, it. Yeah. Great. So yeah, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Dave, for coming on. Oh, my, I, I, my pleasure. I am so happy that my first episode got to be you. I'm so happy <laughs> that we got to have this conversation. Yes. Um, I know I'm going to have you on more than once, so just be right. prepared. That oh. call could come at any time. Anytime you just give the ring, and I, I've got. We still have to. I want you over on the adventures again because I want to talk about an article you had a little while back we had talked about. And I figured we'll, we'll give it a little time because, you know, we don't need too too much of this greatness. I mean, yeah, and, it's like eating... yeah, and you definitely, no one needs too much of me. Well, it's not Ugh. that. It's like, you know, <laughs> the two of us conversation, it's like eating too much ice cream. It's so good, but man, oh, sometimes yes. you need a little variety. That's true. That's true. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you, believe it or not, next week. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know who we're going to have on. It may just be me. But there will be another episode next week, I promise. Till then, have a great week. Bye.